Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome in Lake Kick on the Air. It is Thursday night, June 9th, the year of our Lord, 2022. All men created equal. All college football players are not. Some far more important than others. We will discuss in just a second. We are jam-packed. We are high atop a jamming downtown Nashville, Tennessee. You got about a million concerts going on down here right now. We're going to talk about the most important players in college football tonight. A lot of quarterbacks, but not exclusively quarterbacks. And I'm going to give you some names you expect and maybe some names you don't. Some of you are asking about September matchups, and I looked at the first four weeks of the season, and boy, it's loaded. I mean, it's always loaded because it's college football, and it is a regular season game. We, we love and revere Saturdays in the fall. Man, we got some big ones in September. I'm going to give you, I don't know, maybe a million games to look at. Also, bold predictions have hit a milestone. Chapter 15 of your bold predictions tonight, and the best team or the best program? specifically in the Big Ten. We're going to differentiate one versus the other. Also, we have some Miami haters to address on the show tonight. They're watching us in Round Rock, Texas. They're watching us in Hamilton, Ohio, Riverside, California, New Orleans, Louisiana tuned in. We are drawing ever closer to 100,000 subs on YouTube. People ask a lot of the time, what can we do to help the show? I'm not lying about that. People say that all the time. You don't need to do anything other than subscribe on YouTube and subscribe to the podcast. Something like 60% of our traffic is still unsubscribed. So I'm not going to beg. Yeah, I am. Please subscribe. Please, on the YouTube channel and in podcast. That's all. That's it. Academy Sports and Outdoors has us taken care of the rest of the way. All right, let's dive in. The most important players in college football this year. Colin, here's a better endpoint for you. Who are the most important players in college football this year? Important doesn't always mean they're the best, although... A lot of these guys are really good. Most important, meaning their impact will reverberate throughout their team. And in many cases, throughout the rest of the conference, you may win your conference, for example, because one of these guys fails to come through. So this is a prediction on how good they're going to be. It's just that however good they are, it's going to have a big impact, maybe extending beyond just their team. Obviously, a lot of quarterbacks here. I could name a million quarterbacks. I'm going to save you time and not even mention the obvious like Bryce Young, but I am going to go with some guys who have been on the move. You know, Quinn Ewers, for example, at Texas is obviously there. Caleb Williams at USC is obviously there. Uh, DJ Uyangalale has not transferred, but he's obviously there too. And I think about those three guys because those three, whether it be at Texas, a favorite in the Big 12, whether it be at USC, a co-favorite in the Pac-12, or whether it be at Clemson, a favorite in the ACC, think about what I said. If they perform at an all-conference level, their teams are probably winning the conference. But the reason why a Wake Forest fan 
cares about what DJ does this year. The reason why a Utah fan cares about what Caleb Williams does is pretty obvious, but if it's not obvious, you look at those guys, the ones who have elite potential, and you realize there's a certain level that that guy can play at that may make what we do a moot point. So, you know, you need him to struggle. Not all of us love rooting for someone to struggle, but you may need him to struggle. At the very least, it certainly helps. And on a side note, you hope to be the reason they struggle. But looking beyond just those three now, at the quarterback position, I'm interested in a guy like Devin Leary at NC State. That's a guy who's not going to be on the cover of every national preview magazine. But think about the pressure on some of these guys and think about what Devin Leary has. He's a returning quarterback and he's got a lot of his uh, returning perimeter skill around him. He's got a good offensive line, but what else does he have at NC State? He's got a phenomenal defense. And they were injured at times last year, so certainly if they're healthy this year, they stand to be even better statistically. But what does that mean? It means he doesn't have to shoulder this ridiculous load. No one's looking at him and saying, well, there are only shots for him to throw for 450 yards every game. Devin Leary is the kind of guy that can afford to have good, solid performances and put his team in position potentially to win every game. They'll have a shot to win every game if he plays that way. The big question with NC State, and it goes right to the quarterback position, is going to be, What's the difference between good and great? We saw them be good last year. Devin Leary taking the next step in his productivity, decision-making, et cetera. That's the difference between them being good and great. What about Hendon Hooker? They're in Knoxville. Yet last year, uh, we've talked many times about that 34 to 3 touchdown to interception ratio, and that's wonderful. Sometimes when we get into what casuals would call the offseason, you start to look at stats in totality and you don't really remember how they were amassed. And a Tennessee fan knows exactly what I'm about to say. Last year, Tennessee came out, boom, firing. First quarters of games, but then some of their productivity leveled off throughout games. Well, the name of the game is consistency there this year. They certainly want to perform at a high level. They want to put up those big numbers, but what they want to do is not get to the end of the first quarter, have the scoreboard say 17-3 to Tennessee, then they're done scoring. So they want to be more consistent, and that's the next step in the evolution of Hendon Hooker as a quarterback in year two under Josh Heupel. It's not, he may have, for all I know, he may have a worse touchdown to INT ratio, but they may be better offensively this year. But when you look around and you understand they were 7-6 and six last year, for Alabama, that would be bad. For Tennessee last year, that was very good relative to what the preseason over-under win total was on them. I think it's going to end up being a good thing for a guy like Hendon Hooker, that they ended up losing the game to Ole Miss and Pitt. Because think about how high the expectation would be nationally for Tennessee this year if they won nine a season ago. They'd be the same team. Lose a, lose a close game, win a close game. They'd be the same team. But nationally, people would be talking about them being a dark horse SEC championship contender. And the fact is, you are what you are. But I think it helps them that they're still a little bit off the national radar. Tyler Van Dyke at Miami. This is a huge impact guy because... A lot of folks are in different camps on what to expect from him, but that's the definition of an impact guy. You could find someone out there who would tell you, Tyler Van Dyke, I don't like him. I think he's going to be a bust. You could find other people who say, he's got NFL potential. And he's certainly being slept on because Miami as a program maybe slept on this year. Well, that's impact. Because everybody in the ACC looks around and they realize right now there are no dominant quarterbacks in the conference. If there was, there would be a dominant team this year. There is not a perceived dominant team. Clemson is that. They are the odds-on favorite to win the conference. You don't know what DJ Uyangalale is going to be. You don't know if maybe Cade Klubnick's got to be starting quarterback for him. So at Miami, think about what Tyler Van Dyke can be. If he's good, 
if he fulfills on the immense potential he has, Miami's a contender. But if he's not, then what does that do to clear the way for an NC State or a Wake Forest or a Pitt? We have no clue what that means. That's the definition of an impact guy. At Arkansas, K.J. Jefferson fits this same description. K.J. Jefferson, I don't know if a lot of folks realize this, he is the first returning starter at quarterback that Kendall Bryles has had. Think about that. Kendall Bryles, this is a name you're familiar with, been in multiple stops now, but as an offensive coordinator, it's the first returning quarterback he's had. That may mean a lot this year. It may not. They were the leading rushing team in the conference last year. He had contributed to that, he being K.J. Jefferson, obviously. But I think a lot of folks are aware that Traylon Burks goes off to the NFL and they know, oh, they got that kid. What's his name from Oklahoma? Well, Jaden Hazelwood is his name. And Jaden Hazelwood is a guy who, along with some of the other complimentary pieces they have there, I am very much looking forward to because that's a guy who could stand a good shot of amplifying his name on the national stage this year. We weren't talking, we weren't talking nationally about Traylon Burks going into last year. You were by season's end, weren't you? So you still got the guy who threw him the rock there in K.J. Jefferson. I'm looking very, very, very much forward to seeing what that offense is in general. Now let's go away from the quarterback position for just a second. Bijan Robinson, massive impact guy, running back at Texas. A lot of folks have him rated as the number one overall pro prospect at his position, but consistency is the key word with Texas too. If I were to tell you they're going to have a, a rock-solid presence at running back, Bijan Robinson's going to stay healthy, he's going to produce all year, you would know, boy, that means so much for Quinn Ewers. Boy, that means so much for the Texas offense. And it probably means a lot for their defense, too, because you have a lot more consistency. If you have a solid run game, then you know coming in each given week, I don't know what my completion percentage is going to be today, but this dude carrying the mail back here, I can dependably rely on him. He's going to be there every week. It's just, I know quarterback's the most important position. If that guy, Bijan Robinson, plays up to his potential, the rest of the offense, it just it seems to revolve around that. Uh, likewise, we go over on the defensive side. At Alabama, they're talking a lot about Will Anderson. I lead that fan club. But Dallas Turner, I hope you've already learned the name. If you haven't, you need to get ready. Dallas Turner, I think, is the second best linebacker in America. I think they have the top two linebackers in the country. I think Alabama has the first linebacker in Will Anderson. I think the second best one's right there across from him in Dallas Turner. I had someone tell me last year uh, who would know that they had scouted 15 in Crimson there as being a better player than Aiden Hutchinson, who just went top five in the draft and was an All-American Heisman finalist for Michigan. Dallas Turner was a freshman last year. He is going to be a nightmare to deal with. And the reason a lot of folks are looking forward to watching this Bama defense and think it may be generational is because you got Will Anderson, who I think is the best player in college football. You got Dallas Turner, who looks like a space alien across from him. Chris Braswell is also there, former five-star guy out of the DMV area, I believe. All three of them would be the best pass rusher pretty much in any other conference. They're all three on the same team. So yeah, Dallas Turner this year is going to be a force. He was last year. It just it happened a little bit later in the season and a lot of the spotlight was on Will Anderson. If Dallas Turner is remotely what I think he's capable of, they will set all kinds of records in terms of total sacks. We have a, actually a question about that later in the show. Uh, last guy I wanted to hit here, Parker Washington. Wide receiver at Penn State. He has such an opportunity this year. Jahan Dotson, last year, he, he was what he was, a very, very talented player. Wish that you didn't see Sean Clifford go down to injury 
Really would love to see what he could have been wire to wire if they just had their full offensive stable. But Mitchell Tinsley is a transfer that's coming in there, I think, from Western Kentucky. And why it's so important and why this is so impactful, Parker Washington being their wide receiver one is so important because everything else, like, for instance, Tinsley transferring in, all those other tumblers can fall into place if that number one tumbler can fall into place. And Parker Washington is a guy who stands to, I think, pop on at least the regional, if not national scale this year, too. He's going to get a lot of opportunities. Had, his season stats last year, he had 820 receiving yards on 64 receptions. He could significantly improve on those numbers, being the guy. Those are just some of the important players this year. That's not exhaustive. We could do, we could do 15 of those segments, too, and we've got time. I hope you have time at least a little bit, to check out Academy Sports and Outdoors. You know, I told you we only want you to sub to the channel. Yeah, that's true. Then if you have it in your heart to do a little more, go check out Academy Sports and Outdoors. It is, for the most part, if you can dodge the thunderstorms, a beautiful time of year pretty much wherever you're at right now. Uh, there is an unlimited amount of outdoor activity to be had, but even if you're not into kayaking or, or baseball or whatever, they've got grills for you. they got tents for you. they got everything you can imagine. Famously, at this point, I would say famously, one of our viewers picked up crab traps from Academy Sports and Outdoors last week. So Academy Sports and Outdoors, and if you can't get to one, I had one of you this morning tell me, don't worry, I found out I didn't have an academy in my town, but academy.com worked just fine. Academy.com, academy in person, wherever you go to pick up that gear and those goods, if you're going to do it anyway, make it Academy Sports and Outdoors. They and I'm not kidding you, are our very best friends. They are our exclusive partners. They make this show free for you, and that's why, Academy Sports and Outdoors. Thank you so much to them. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's go into bold predictions. It's interesting the way this is going to start because we were just talking about one of these guys. Bold predictions, chapter 15. These are bets that you claim you would make this year. And I don't know whether you mean it or not, but most of you, I think, are this bold. And so we've got five more tonight. I'm going to rate these on a scale of one to ten boldness. This first one is, we're stretching it, but let's go with it. Will Anderson and Dallas Turner, both of Alabama fame, will combine for 35 sacks this year. That's what Daniel says. Okay, I made this a nine, and I just told you earlier in this show, I think they're the two best edge rushers in college football. They both play for the same team. So if any duo is going to achieve these kinds of legendary record-setting numbers, it would be them. 
To be clear, what we're asking for here, if you combine for 35 or more sacks, both of them need to average 18. One of them could have 20, one of them could, I understand that. They need to average 18. To give you an idea of how lofty that would be, that would place both of them in the top four all time in terms of total sacks in a given year. Like that, that, that's, that's rarefied air for one guy. Will Anderson had 17 and a half last year, I think. Uh, Dallas Turner had eight and a half. They'd both need to be in that category or a little bit higher, or one of them just needs to go off and get like 22 or 23. I'm telling you, these are generational players. I don't throw that term around lightly. Generational, I know what that means. Generational, i.e. Alabama hasn't had this since uh, the early 90s. I think we know which combo I'm talking about back then. So, yes, if anyone's going to do it, they're going to do it. I just know how insane that number is. So, by default, I'm saying that's a nine on the boldness scale. But, man, I'm looking forward to watching them. How about we go to the Big Ten here for our next bold proclamation? I gave this one an eight. Hard to Kill said, Michigan State wins the Big Ten. They win the conference. They win the division. They win everything up there. I gave this one an eight. Because I think they have to beat Ohio State for this to happen. Flat out. Now, they get them in East Lansing. I was at the game in Columbus last year. It wouldn't have mattered where they played that one. Uh, that was a route, and it was a total mismatch. Wide receivers versus the Michigan State secondary. Uh, they, they know. I mean, it's not I'm telling them anything they don't know. They've got a long way to go in shoring that up. Uh, they have made efforts to do that. They've got to beat Ohio State only because I don't know that you can count on Ohio State to lose two games which you would need them to do at least if you lost to them because of the tiebreaker. So do I think that's going to happen? That I wouldn't pick at this moment. Uh, that, that is hard for me to see. But then even after that, we're thinking they can maybe afford one loss, so they got to go three or four against Minnesota, Wisconsin, at Michigan, and at Penn State. We're looking at their odds to win the Big Ten right now. They are one, two, three, four, five. They're tied for fifth with Iowa at plus 2,500 odds. It's just hard to do it, guys. Hard to do it. You know I'm a big Michigan State guy, but that's hard to do. I'm giving that one an eight on the boldness scale. We went to one next out of the SEC. It's kind of a little vague, but you know what? Let's roll with it. Jimbo Fisher, what do we think here? John said in January, my prediction is we will all look back and think, how did Jimbo take so long to pick a quarterback? This guy is amazing. And the bold part, will be saying it no matter who wins the job. Who's battling for the job here? We got Max Johnson, we got Haynes King, and Connor Wegman is in there. I've told you I think it's going to come down to Johnson or King. All right, so we're, we're insinuating here that whoever starts initially for A&M will not be the guy who ends up holding down the job long term. That's what the suggestion is. I'm making this a six. We've seen it happen before. We've seen you know, all the due diligence and all the spring and summer and fall camp, and yet you end up still rolling with the second best option, but eventually you're starting the right guy. That's happened before. But normally when it happens, the starter gets hurt and the backup ends up outshining him, and then they just never go back. That happened at Georgia last year. I don't know that we're going to see what Texas had last year. Texas had, remember we were talking all fall camp. Is it going to be Casey Thompson? Is it going to be Hudson Card? And then one started, and then they flip-flopped and flip-flopped. I don't think that's what A&M is going to do. I think, I think Texas was doing that last year because they weren't fully set on having the guy they could win with. A&M thinks they got two guys they can win with. And I believe they will narrow it down, and they will have their guy. Now, if their guy is out due to injury, 
and we end up seeing the backup come in and shine, that's a totally different deal. But if injury's not involved here, and you're just telling me Jimbo's going to go with the wrong option initially, then he's going to switch it up, and then everything's going to take off for A&M, and we're going to say, what took so long? That's not the craziest thing in the world. I think it's got some boldness to it, so I'm going to go with a six on that one. Uh, there is a lot of boldness in the next one. We're talking about awards here. Ohio State's going to be good this year. That much I think I know. But Buckeye Nation hit us up and said, Ohio State will have the Davey O'Brien Award winner. That's the best quarterback in the country. The Doak Walker Award winner, best running back. And the Bolitnikoff Award winner, best wide receiver. They're going to do that all in the same year. This is an eight, maybe even a nine, just out of principle. Now, if you're thinking individually, you can make an argument for all of them. I, in fact, I think when you take C.J. Stroud at quarterback and you got Jackson Smith and Jigba at wide receiver, Travion Henderson at running back, they rate top two at their position nationally. So you're not listening to me knock any of them. I'm just saying, think about what has to happen. Think about how many stars have to align for you to have the kind of season statistically where all three of them win their individual position awards. Oh, and by the way, I can make an argument that Smith and Jigba or Jamison Williams should have won the thing last year. And yet Jordan Addison did, which brings me to my next point. There's a variable in the room that's out of your control, and those are voters. Your numbers alone, your performance alone does not dictate this. Voters have to look at your performance and then decide that you're getting the award. And I just don't think they're going to allow Ohio State to clean sweep that even if they're that good. So telling me Ohio State's going to have three guys that are good enough would be a little less bold. Telling me that they're actually going to win all three of those awards a little bit more bold, so I went an eight. Last bold prediction here. We go to a seldom visited portion of the SEC. Shame on me. The Missouri Tigers, Drinkwitz Burner hit us up. He said Missouri's going to win eight games. I put this at a seven. Because I think there are going to be a couple of hinge games, those one-possession, bounce-the-ball type games, that are ultimately going to decide this. The good news for Missouri is they're, they're probably not going to find themselves out of games this year in most cases. They've got a good veteran stable of wide receivers, but they're mixing in some youth. Luther Burden, for example, I think is going to be an instant contributor there. Quarterback in the interior of their offensive line, I think they're replacing a center. Those kinds of things have to be figured out. Um, I'm, I'm throwing all that at you at one time because I think about their schedule and I think about whether they play South Carolina or they're, they're going to Auburn early in the year. Uh, they, they play Kentucky. They play South Carolina, Kentucky, and Tennessee back to back to back. Those games all could pivot on one possession or you know a couple of scenarios or sequences in a second quarter. And so... Missouri does not feel like an eight-win team to me. I think they were a six-win team last year. But at the same time, you know, they could pop one on you. Uh, they, could be, they could be a four- or five-point dog in a couple of games and pull the outright upset. So I don't think it's wild. I put a seven on it. I, I don't expect them to be there. Their over-under is five wins, by the way. So it is well detached from what the Vegas over-under is. But I think even with that over-under, I think there are going to be a lot of short underdog spots for them where any given Saturday you're looking and saying, oh, you're telling me Missouri's going to win today? Eh, that's not crazy. If you could stack some of those up and they win a few of those, that's what's going to make the difference. Good predictions, though. Good, solid, well-thought-out predictions. Now we get to probably my favorite thing to do this time of year, and that is 
look ahead. And I'm looking ahead to September. So one of you hit me up. I'm going to read you the question, and then we'll dive into it. Alan hit us up from Independence, Missouri. He said, which September games are you most looking forward to? Alex or Alan? Sorry. You know what, Colin? For, for video purposes, I'm just going to read it over again. If you're watching the live show, deal with it. Thank you for watching, though. Alan hit us up from Independence, Missouri. He said, which September games are you most looking forward to? Well, Alan, thank you. Nailed it. I've got, uh, I've got way too many. I've got an irresponsible amount of September games listed in front of me. So I'm just going to kind of skim through them or else this would be its own show. Week one, we don't even have to wait until Saturday. Week one on a Thursday night, it's probably a game that will make us change our start time for the show that night. West Virginia is at Pitt. That's the backyard brawl cranking up again for the first time in over a decade. You've also got Notre Dame as a two-touchdown dog on the road at Ohio State that Saturday. Same Saturday earlier in the day, you've got Oregon versus Georgia. But also, don't sleep on Cincinnati going to Arkansas. And then Sunday night, that standalone Sunday night game, remember the schedule's kind of different in week one, Florida State versus LSU. I'm so glad those teams are playing when they're playing because it's highly likely that neither is going to be in the playoff mix. Kind of like when FSU and Notre Dame opened the season, like last year, year before last, and they played that classic. I think they went to overtime. Florida State ended up not being a good team, but because they were undefeated at that point, they were unblemished. Everyone cared about that outcome, and it was a great game. We could get the same thing with FSU, LSU. But then when we go to week two, See, I look at week one, I think that's a pretty fat schedule. Week two, you're going to get a lot of Alabama at Texas shoved in your face, which you should. That's the biggest game that week. But outside of that, you don't have the deepest schedule in week two. However, I have sentimental value on that Iowa State at Iowa game. And that's the game we went to last year. We took the Renaissance Tour to Ames, Iowa. Well, now they go to Kinnick. And I don't think people are going to expect much of anything from Iowa State this year. So maybe that's the year that they end up pulling that thing out. Also, Kentucky is at Florida. And I'm, I'm circling that game, although nationally you may not, because that is one of the first big tests for Billy Napier at home. But also, Will Levis, quarterback for Kentucky, you're going to hear a lot of talk about him. And the point is, I'm fine with the talk if it's going to eventually be borne out on the field. Well, these are the kind of games. We're going to see Will Levis and that Kentucky offense go into the swamp, and that's going to be a night game, and you're going to have it to do, okay? You're going to be, I mean, I'm not, here's why I feel bad, because a lot of times we put, I'm not going to say we because I'm not doing it. Some people out in the college football media sphere are putting some unreasonable expectations on Will Levis right now in terms of mock drafts and stuff, and I choose to just let him play, you know, let's see what he is, but... The unfortunate part is that's what people are going to say. That matchup is going to be potential first-round draft pick Will Levis is coming into the swamp. It's irresponsible to me. That's not the way we choose to cover the sport here, but that is the way some folks will cover it. Anyway, regardless of what people are saying, that's one of his chances to really shine, Will Levis. That's Kentucky's shot to really announce their arrival on the 2022 SEC East scene. A lot of people think they're going to be good. They can validate it that night. Week three, it gets really, really juicy. We've got Oklahoma at Nebraska. Big noon kickoff, baby. Love it. If no one else does, I love it. That's 11 a.m. Eastern time. Big question. If any of you know the answer, let me know. 
Will both teams be undefeated when they play that one? If they are, you can consider me there. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, there are some other good out-of-conference games that day. For instance, did you know that Penn State goes to Auburn that day? And that's a 3.30 game. I think that's the CBS game of the week. So we got the Nittany Lions traveling down south, the return trip. Auburn went up there last year. Brigham Young goes to Oregon on that day. And that's one of those big early season tests for the Ducks. Not a conference game, but it's a big game. We've also got Miami, Texas A&M at 8 o'clock prime time kickoff in Kyle Field and College Station. Oh, look at look, all those are out of conference games. OU, Nebraska, Penn State, Auburn, Brigham Young, Oregon, Miami, A&M. That is what a week three college football schedule should look like. And as I'm scanning, do you notice what's absent? No neutral site. All of them are on campus. God bless college football. Week four, we're not even out of September. Told you I had a lot of them. Week four, you give me all these. Wisconsin at Ohio State. Big conference game. One of the biggest games of the year on Ohio State schedule. We get Florida at Tennessee. Second time Florida's already appeared here. And then we start getting into some of those bigger games in the ACC on this Saturday too. Clemson goes to Wake Forest. Remember that stretch we talked about last week? Clemson's got games against Wake Forest and NC State and Boston College back to back to back. They're going to go 3-0 there? We'll see. Also, Arkansas versus Texas A&M out in Arlington is that day. Now, you know my proclivity to completely turn my head towards those neutral site games, but I can't turn my head to A&M and Arkansas. We went to that game last year. Who knows where we'll be? We're way too far out to... We, I can't even tell you what the tour is going to be named yet. I certainly can't tell you where we're going to be in week four. But look, think about this. We just gave you all those games. I don't know how long I just talked. That's just September, guys. That, we got October and November to go. That's just September. So in case you can't tell, we're kind of ready for the season to get here around here. Let's dive into the mailbag. You know what? I haven't done this in a long time, Colin. There we go. Pop my, pop my knuckles there in the mic. We got two questions here. I think we'll get a lot of feedback on both. RJ hit us up from Hanover, Indiana. He said, you say there's a difference between team and program. So who has the best program in the Big Ten? Does this feel like a gotcha question? I feel like they're trying to get me. This is so easy. It's, but let me tell you what my criteria are, and then you can pretty well figure out who the best program in the Big Ten is. I want to look at your rolling four years, whether it's results or whether it's recruiting rankings. I want to look at your coaching staff. I want to look at a lot of the more tangible structure-based aspects instead of what did you do in a given year. The answer is Ohio State by 10 miles right now, but I think a lot of folks look and say, wait a second now, Michigan just beat Ohio State last year. So how could you say Ohio State's the best program in the Big Ten? Uh, by doing just that, by telling you Ohio State is still the best program in the Big Ten. Thus the difference between team and program. They weren't the best team in the Big Ten last year. They got beat. We saw that happen. But they're the best program. Same way a couple of years ago when Georgia lost to Florida, down in Gainesville, or down in Jacksonville. Uh, folks wanted to say, well, Florida has overtaken Georgia in these. No, they haven't. And now, since then, you've seen. Th there was never a time where Florida was the better program. They just happened to beat them as a team on the field in a given year. So let me tell you how pronounced this is. I'm talking about the last four years. You want to know what we can do? We can go the last 12 years. Big 10 records over the last 12 years since 2010. Ohio State's got 135 wins. The next closest is Wisconsin 
at 114. Add stats and info, run the numbers, that's a 21-game gap. You only play 12 in a season, mind you. That's a 21-game gap. But also in recruiting, which is the real name of the game here, you're seeing the results. Recruiting, that's the reason. Ohio State, they don't even have a close second in the Big Ten when it comes to recruiting rankings. Their average four-year rolling ranking right now is sixth. Over the past four years, they finished an average of sixth, and that was with a 14th place finish in 2019, by the way. Outside of that, they've had a top seven finish every year since 2011. Not even close. So we know what the roster's made of. We know what the results have been. Have you had any major off-the-field issues that would circumvent some of this? No. Recently, they have not had anything like that, so they're clean there. Do you have the best coaching staff? I think the answer is yes. If I were to power rate the head coaches in the Big Ten, Ryan Day's my number one. If I were to power rate overall staffs, especially with the addition of Jim Knowles, Ohio State would be my number one. Where are they not number one? If we're measuring a program, not a team, where are they not number one? Big Ten championships since 2000, Ohio State 11. Next closest is Michigan with four. So I think you'd have a lot better argument asking who number two versus number three is than who number one is, because that's Ohio State by a significant margin, and parody be damned, I guess. Next question. Uh, this, this comes to us a lot, so we just picked Alex. Alex, Alex is going uh, to get me upset here. Alex said, why are people so high on Mario Cristobal? This hype is laughable. From Tallahassee, Florida, fictional home of Saber printers, yes, and real home to the greatest university in America. Uh, both of those things are true. Alex, you're asking me why people are so high on Mario Cristobal, and then you said the hype is laughable. Could we do ourselves a favor here? I know you're listening or watching. We can't actually communicate, but you know what? Talk anyway. What is the hype? Define the hype around this man, Mario Cristobal in Miami. What is the hype? I, I think sometimes, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, Alex. I'm just saying in general sense right now, I think sometimes people create things that don't exist. Three people saying something on Twitter does not equal everyone is saying, quote unquote. You may see some random folks, or you may go to a Miami message board and see some fans in clusters get carried away with expectations. That happens with every team. I'm telling you right now, you can find a Kansas State fan right now that claims they're going to be in the Big 12 and, and go to the playoff. You can find outliers. But man, there are not massive pockets of people guaranteeing Mario Cristobal and Miami are going to rack up multiple national championships or they're going to win the ACC this year. That, that is such an outlier of an opinion. So what's the real hype? What are people really excited about? They're excited because they think they got one of the best recruiters in the country, check, to come home, also check, and they just reinvigorated their program because now they have more top-to-bottom buy-in administratively and culturally than they've had under the previous several regimes. Check, check, check. All of those are reasons to be excited. Can, can you answer me this if you're disagreeing with me? How should you feel? Like if you live in Coral Gables, if you live in um, Delray Beach and you're a big Miami fan, how should you feel? Should you watch one of your own who was tearing it up on the West Coast come to Miami and cross your arms and say, oh, he'll probably suck? Like how, that's what would be dumb to me. It'd be dumb to not be excited. It'd be foolish to not be excited if you're a Miami fan. You needed to recruit better. You got one of the best in the world at it. 
You needed more investment. You got it top to bottom. You needed the community to buy back into hurricane football. You got it. Everything you need, a lot of those ingredients you need to make the ultimate product you want to make, you've got. Why would people not be excited about that? You can be excited and understand there's work to do. You can be excited and not automatically predict that this is the next coming of Nick Saban. There's room in between. It doesn't have to be 100 or 0. There's room in between. I deal with Miami a lot. It's one of our biggest viewer bases. I think they've been pretty reasonable. As fan bases go, I, I, I talk to a lot of Miami fans. I do radio down there a lot. They've got a really honest grasp of where they are as a program right now. That's been my experience. I, I don't, if you guys are you know, working a FedEx route and one of your buddies is a diehard Hurricane fan and he wears the, the orange and green tinted glasses behind the wheel, number one, call FedEx. Uh, but number two, okay, man, maybe he gets a little carried away. But, but in mass, I don't think they're carried away. They have the third best odds to win the conference this year, and that's it. Not first, third best odds to win the conference. Uh, they, are, they are, I think, well on their way to securing a top 10 recruiting class. I'd be excited about that if I were a Miami fan. So you know what? Get excited. And if they don't want you to be excited, turn on the nearest water hose and spray them. Don't let them spray you. Don't let them dull your shine. Thank you guys so much for watching. Remember, all we need you to do, subscribe to the channel and subscribe to the podcast feeds. Those are two different things, by the way. So subscribe everywhere. Uh, thank you so much for letting us do what we do for a living. For producer Jesse, for director Colin, I'm Josh Pate. Have yourselves a great start to your weekend. We'll see you back here Sunday night. Until then, God bless. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.